We did a sermon series on John, I think all through 2020 and 2021. Felt like I preached out of the book of John forever. I think it was at least for a full year I was going through the book of John, and then I took a break from expository preaching. I've been doing a lot of topical sermons. And then I felt like God was like leading me to, uh, you know, to start on a, another book. And um, I kept coming back to Hebrews. And I, I, it is one of um, my favorite books of the Bible. There's a little bit of a mystery regarding Hebrew. And when you kind of know the whole story, it's a very intriguing book. And so... Um, we're going to start on the book of Hebrews, and just a short overview of the book of Hebrews, the author is unknown. For a long time in early church history, they thought it was Paul. But if you read the Paul, Pauline letters, and then you read the book of Hebrews, you realize how different the writing style is, and how just different the communication, little things, it just like shines through. It's like, oh yeah, this, you can tell like this is not the way that Paul talks. We have so much proof of the way that Paul talks in all of his epistles. He wrote... Like, you know, like, you know, a huge chunk of the New Testament. And so when you compare it to the book of Hebrews, um, it doesn't seem to be Paul. Um, unlike, you know, there's a lot, all the other books of the Bible, to a certain degree, we can come to some kind of um, identifiable authorship, right? Like, you know, it, you know, like even like the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, we know like, oh, you know, like Moses and, you know, people like that. And so um, this is one of the rare instances where we don't know who the author is. And theologians have kind of concluded, like I think Martin Luther thought it was it was a Barnabas. You know, Barnabas um, is was a you know somebody that would travel with Paul, and and some thought it was Apollos. But Apollos is uh, mentioned uh, in, in the Book of Acts as well as somebody that taught and was uh, an you know, apostolic teacher at that time. Uh, but, you know, all the theologians basically came to this conclusion that only God knows. Only God knows. And we, you know, and we will find out uh, when we see God face to face, when Jesus comes back and we can ask Him, who wrote this book? <laughs> um, and so that's one of the questions that I'll have for Jesus. You know, I, I have a list of questions that I have for Jesus when I see Him that I want to ask Him. Um, but that's one of those. Um, and, I, uh, you know, some things are clear in this book is that uh, the author of this book had first-hand relationship with the apostles. And so it wasn't just like somebody random that like decided to write a letter, right? But he, you can tell just throughout the writings and he, there are references to um, the author having a first-hand relationship with the apostles. And so it's, it's, the letter to the Hebrews is considered anchored in apostolic teaching or it's anchored in the the teachings of the apostles. It talks about it a lot in the book of Acts, but the teachings of the apostles. And this is basically what becomes kind of the word of God for us, in, as in like the Bible. But back then, like nothing was written down, right? Like whatever was written down, it wasn't like circulated. You couldn't go, I would like to get a, a copy of Paul's letter to the Philippians. And like, they didn't have that, right? And so everything was an like oral tradition. Everything was like just kind of passed on in this way. Um, and so the teachings of the apostles was very important because this is what birthed uh, much of uh, what we see in the New Testament. And um, it's clear, and that's one of the reasons why it's been canonized in our Bible. It's because there is proof that it, it, it did have a source as being somebody that had first-hand relationship, if not one of the apostles themselves. Um, as for who the letter is addressed to, we don't really know who is addressed to. Like all of Paul's letters, they're addressed to somebody, like Timothy, the Philippians, you know, like Colossians, Corinthians, like these are the churches. Um, but there's no particular like a reference to who it is being written to. 
But um, there is an expectation for the audience to know about Jewish history. Right? So it's not like just they're just it's just like not just like oh I'm just gonna throw it out there. Um, you can tell that it is geared or it is written to uh, Jewish Christians because there's an expectation for them to know a lot of the history of the Jews, you know, particularly um, the Torah, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and you know, the Numbers and Deuteronomy, and kind of the, of, of all the stories that kind of takes that take place in that historical account. There's an expectation for the, the for the readers or or the recipients to understand that and know that, and so. Um, most theologians agree that it is geared towards Jewish Christians or Hellenistic Jews that have been converted to Christianity. And, and when you read the book of Hebrews, you can tell that the author is writing this to Christians that are facing persecution. Um, there's a major theme in this, in this book is like, you guys are facing persecution. I know that things are hard, but, it, but the author points to the supremacy of Jesus. Like, Jesus is who he is, and there's a lot of comparison to Jesus to a lot of the things of the Bible and, and, and of the Old Testament. But um, there is this this sense that he is writing to Christians that are being persecuted, maybe from the Jews. You know, they're Christians, they're Jews that became Christians. That they're, the persecution maybe from the Jews, and maybe from the Romans. But they're in the struggle, and some have fallen away. He mentions that, like you know, many of you guys have fallen away. And, and the people that are reading this or the people that this is being spoken to are on the verge of potential apostasy or just, you know, falling away from the faith. And the, and the author writes to these Christians and it appears that um, the author knows them personally, knows their struggle, knows their um, what they're going through on a personal level. You know? And so, you know, we don't, like... <laughs> I believe that for many of us that that are from like you know the Western society, we don't really know persecution, right? Like the most persecution I've gone through was like, oh, like somebody was like, oh, you're a Christian, and I'd be like, oh, you know, well, we don't like face persecution like they did in the Bible, but but there, there's a there's a very like um like there's a, there's this tendency for us to feel like oh this is not applicable to us because we're not being persecuted, but you know. Falling away from Jesus isn't always just about like, 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 like saying like, oh, Jesus is not real. Like every time that we choose something of the world um, over God or over Jesus, right? Um, in a sense, is kind of what um, what this book is kind of aiming towards. You know, like Jesus is is the supremacy of Jesus. Jesus is everything. Jesus is all of these things. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than you know, the, like the, the sacrifices and all of the things. And, and he's saying that Jesus is everything. And so, like, choose Jesus more than anything else in the world. And, like, you know, for all of us, there's, there is something that we can hold on to for this Bible is that, you know, we have a world that's constantly trying to get our attention, constantly trying to pull us away from the things of God, pull us away from the things of Christ. And we may not necessarily be falling away and saying, like, oh, Jesus is not real, you know. But like every time we choose something of this world over Christ, we're, we are, um, we can, um, there is something that we can get from this book. Uh, and this theme can be found throughout the book of Hebrews. The author presents Jesus as like, he's the greater option. He's a greater choice. He is a supreme, um, he's the king, the king of kings. And he's the priest, the highest priest. And there's all of these comparisons to the, um, Old Testament, and he's saying that you know, he is the only choice that leads to salvation. Um, and you know, throughout this this book, there is this comparison. You know, he's compared to Jesus, he's compared to the Old Testament, um, 
first to the angels in the Torah, right? You know, like, he's, he's greater than the angels. I'm going to talk about that, maybe not next week, but the week after that, and how it talks about, like, you know, Jesus is greater than the angels. He's greater than, um, you know, Moses and the promised land, right? And, you know, like, you have Moses, you know, and Jesus is greater than that. He's compared to the, the sacrifices, um, and, and, and the priests, right? And, and on the line of Melchizedek and like all of these priestly like lineage. And he's saying like Jesus is great. He is the priest of priests. He is the high priest. Um, so there is this theme of like saying it's like the supremacy of Jesus. Um, and uh, today we're actually going to go cover the only the first two verses of the of the first chapter of Hebrews. Now I'm not going to go this slowly through the book. If I did this. This slowly, I think I'll finish the book of Hebrews in like 2023 or something. I'm not going to go two verses at a time, but um, in this beginning passage, there's so much, it's so great, right? It, I like, it starts out like, you know, like, you know how Star Wars starts off? It's like, there's that, dunk, and then there's like, and then you see the light, like the things fall down. And that's like, it's, it's become known as like such an important part of, of watching the movie Star Wars. In a sense, it's like that. It's like, it starts out with this like amazing declaration of who God is, who Jesus is, and who He is uh, compared to all of the things you know, in, in the Word of God. Um, and so we're just going to cover the first two verses of her, uh, Hebrews today because there's so much in this book and there's so much in these chapters. But um, I will go a lot faster um, throughout the weeks to come. So we're going to turn, turn your Bibles to Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 2. And we're going to read this. I'll read it out loud. In the ESV, it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom all also He created the world. Okay, so... Just in that pas- just short passage, there's so, there's so many things that um, we can kind of go into, but there's something very profound in this first verse, and it's that God spoke. Right? God spoke. You know, God's interaction with mankind comes in words. Words are very important to God. Right? And we can't see God. We can't touch Him. We can't smell Him. And although the psalmist talks about, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, if we literally tasted God, we would, you know, like we would cease to exist. Remember, I remember hearing these praise songs when I was a young kid, and it was like, "I want to know you, I want to touch you, I want to see you." Right? And I remember those. I have nothing against those songs, but if you literally got what you were asking for, right? If we can actually see God, right, we would be like those bugs in the bug zapper. You know, have you ever seen those bug zappers? Those huge bug zappers. They just disintegrate. There's like a pink mist, right? They're just gone, right? And that's kind of like what we would do. We we see in the story of Moses and God, where Moses is like, "Show me your glory," and God's like, "Dude, if I showed you your glory, my glory to the fullest, you would die. Right? You just you just cease to exist." And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put you in the cleft of this rock, and I'm gonna make you look the other way, and I'm gonna pass by you, and you're only gonna be able to see just my back back of my who I am and, and just for a brief second and in that brief second you're gonna that's that's really all you can take of, of my glory, right? And so, you know, God if we can't really see him. It, 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 our our brains and our senses are not capable of even like 
like imagining or even like having a glimpse of who God is. Definitely can't really literally touch Him. But what we can do is we can hear from Him. I'm not talking about the audible voice of the Lord, right? You know, this is this. But I'm talking about He does impart His words and ideas into us. You know, and he, and the Bible says that long ago He did it through the prophets. You know, like, like, long ago He did it through the prophets. He, He spoke to, you know, He chose, you know, certain men of God. And, 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 and as they're chosen, you know, like, you know, he would impart to them like words and then they would speak it out, right? And, and that's really all that, that's like, like the one form of, um, God communicating to us that we can actually take. Now, if he actually revealed himself to us right now, right? No, we would do, you know, like, imagine, you know, like the sun, right? You look at the sun for a little too long, you know what happens? You go blind, right? You go blind. Like I remember as a kid, like we had, there was an eclipse. We were like in fourth grade. And the teacher was like, "Don't look at the sun! Don't look directly at the sun!" Right? And we were just like, "Oh, I want to see!" You know? And we're like, oh, but if you look at the sun long enough, you go blind. And if we if we get a little bit too close to the sun, like we get on a spaceship and just fly a little too close to the sun, we would just like disintegrate, ball of flame. Right? But imagine. The one that created the sun and the galaxies and the universe and all of creation, right? And just being in his presence, being able to see, see him, right? We would not be able to take that. But the words of God, the words of God, right? His, his ideas, his, his thoughts, right? They can be communicated through us. That's why the word is so important. And there's power in the word of God. In the Bible it says God spoke, right? Spoke is a let there be light, and then light existed. And you know, he only had to say that one time. He said it one time, and since the beginning of, of creation, light has existed. He never had to say, okay, let there be light again. You know what I mean? He said it once, and, and it was set. Sun rises every day. You know, at night, we still are able to see. Also because of these electric lights, but because of the moon and the sun, and like, you know, Light happened at the words of God speaking. And, and Ezekiel 12.25 says, For I am the Lord, I will speak, and the word that I will speak, and it will be performed, it will no longer be delayed, but in your days, O rebellious house, I will speak the words and I will perform it, declares the Lord. So when God speaks, things happen. English, uh, so sh- Isaiah 55.11, So shall my words uh, be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. That happens when God speaks. And, and His in, link to us, in a sense, was through words. Right? God's power is displayed through His words. Now, now, the passage tells us that in the past, throughout history, God spoke through the prophets who would choose a man, Abraham, Moses, Samuel, Ezra, David, all of these men of God throughout history, and they would, he would communicate into their hearts his words, and then they would in turn write them down and speak them to the people. And that's how they would know, right? All of the Old Testament was communicated and brought to light in this manner, right? And the truth about the Old Testament and the Old Covenant is that it's incomplete. It falls short, right? Because it's, it's communicated to man through man. God speaks it to a man, and then that man speaks it through man, to man. 
and and the law because you know is not perfect because not because God is not perfect God's laws are perfect but it's given to imperfect fallen men and they're tasked with fulfilling it right? all of God's previous revelations were given in this way and it was through the prophets through men like Abraham and Moses and although they were great men of faith in God they fell short they were incomplete but the author of Hebrew points out that in these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son, Jesus. You know, He He is the final Word of God. He is the final revelation of God. While in the past His communication to, with us was incomplete and imperfect, you know, not because God is incomplete or imperfect, but because you know, we're incomplete. But now we have a final Word of God. And He's perfect. His Word is perfect. His final communication with us is perfect. And that it's Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. He is the heir of all things. Right? It says, He's the heir of it. everything belongs to Him, including us. Right? You and me, we belong to Jesus. He created the world. Everything that exists in creation was through Him. And He is God's final Word to all of mankind. It didn't come through a prophet. It didn't come through just a mere man. But it came through the Son of God. The Son is the Word of God. You know, John one one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Word was God, and Word Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. You know, God chose in these last days what. The author is talking about is this time after Jesus came and 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 before Jesus will come back. We are in the last days, right? First century A.D. in in, in Jerusalem, that was the last days, and we are still in the last days. And saying in these last days, God chose in these last days to speak to us through His Son. And and this time, the Word of God is perfect. It's not incomplete. It's not it does not fall short. It's perfect. Now, when I mean by the final word, I'm not saying that God stopped talking to us after Jesus. Right? My main point today is all about how God speaks to us. But the final word is that there is no revelation beyond Jesus and what He has done, His teachings, and Him as, as, as who He is to us. That He is the final revelation of God. Now, some prophetic people might be saying, well, I get revelation from God all the time. Well, that's true. God speaks to us, but it will always be in line with Jesus. What He has said and in line with Him and His Word, in line with Him as, as the Word and the revelation of God, the final revelation of God. All prophetic word must be in... Com, com, con, what's the word? Um, conformed or in line or like... You know, like judged against the person of Jesus and everything that He is. Uh, that's why you know prophetic people need to be in the Word of God. You know, like Nina's very prophetic, and I and you know, like I, I like if if you if you if God has gifted you with prophetic giftings, you have to be in the Word of God. You know, like you know, because it can actually lead to very. You know, one of the things is, 
uh, Nina is a very prophetic person, and but she she never like gives any kind of prophetic words about relationship, whether it's romantic or just friends, because there's a there's a way to that, right? Say the word that you give brings some kind of strife or some kind of like you know like contempt to each other. You're actually going against the very commandments of God. You're you're giving something to somebody that can actually go against the comfort, like the the very words of God. That's why if, so, if, if somebody ever tells you, like, oh, I believe God is telling you to divorce your husband, that is not from the Word of God, right? Right? Like, like it ha- everything, every revelation that I get, and then there's a lot of times where God speaks to me, right? God was, like, He spoke to me about, preach out of the book of Hebrews. But that, all of that will be in line with what the Word of God says about me and about what God is doing. Because Jesus is the final word of God. He is the final revelation. There will never be another gospel beyond Him. And what He has done, His words and His teachings are the final words of God. And so why is this important, right? God's final revelation to us is the person of Jesus Christ. Why is it so important? Well, God's revelation to us, His final revelation is everything that Jesus Christ did it's him, it's he himself and the interactions with us and the teachings that we have with, from him and the truth that he expresses into our lives. And because Jesus is still alive, like Moses is dead, right? Moses is dead. If you go somewhere in Egypt and you look for his bones, you probably, you probably won't be able to find it, but, you know, you can be rest assured that he is dead. Ezekiel, Jeremiah, all the prophets are dead. Abraham is dead. All, you know, but Jesus is alive. You know, Jesus is alive. He, right now, He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is alive. And, 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 and He communicates with His people. He communicates to the body of Christ. He speaks to us, not just to the body, to the church, but to individuals like us. In, in intimate ways, Jesus speaks to us. He uses words. He forms words and He speaks them over us. That's what Jesus has spoken and continues to speak to us is the ultimate and final revelation of God. And he continues. He's alive. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he continues to reveal himself to us. And he speaks to us. Now I want to ask you today, are you listening? Are we listening? Now the Bible says that he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding on our behalf. Are we receiving that? Are we acknowledging that? And we as his people have to be listening. And I want to talk to you about what listening to, to Jesus as the revelation, revelation looks like. And the first thing I want to talk about is the Word of God. Right? The Word of God. The Bible, you know that everything of, of the Bible, you know, like, you know, there's some weird passages in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever read the whole Bible. There's some weird passages in the Bible. Everything, right? In some way, when you read it as a whole, everything points to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, whether it's in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. You know, like, Old Testament is pointing to Jesus in the future, and Revelations is pointing to, like, you know, like Jesus and, 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 and who he will be, and when he comes back, you know, like what he's going to look like. Everything from Genesis to Revelation points to the person of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word 
from the mouth of the Lord. Right. We can't expect to live this life, the life that God has for us, without being in the Word of God. And if you want to learn more about God, and if you want to learn more about Jesus, if you want to draw closer to it, it starts with the Word of God. True worship. You guys, praise leaders and people that love to worship, you know, worship cannot exist outside of the Word of God. Now, some people think that they can worship God without the Word of God, but you know what? No, worship is. A worship is when the Word of God comes alive in our hearts, something flows from us. And what is that? That's worship. You can't remove this and say, Oh, God, I heard you on TV the other day. No, right? I, like, I, I saw a documentary about, you know, like priests, and so I'm worshiping. No. Right? The only way that true worship can flow from your heart is if the Word of God, you, you digest it, so you, like bread, you eat it, you read it, you meditate, you do all of the things that you need to do with the Word of God, you search through it, you know, like, and you take it daily, you know, like, like, like it's food, right? I eat a lot of food. I don't eat that much food, by the way. Everybody thinks like, oh, I'm fat, that guy is miserable. Like, I eat the same amount of food that my wife does, except I just have slow metabolism, right? I'm old. I'm 46 now, right? I turned 46 in a couple months, right? My metabolism, Mina's like seven years younger than me. Her metabolism is just slowing down, right? Mine's been off for about 10 years, you know? But like, like, you know, like, I love food, but like, I have to eat, I have to ingest this like, like I eat my food. And, and when that happens, and I start to understand, and like, it starts to, like, the word comes alive, this is a, a living word, right? Comes alive in you, it produces something in your heart. And what that, what that thing that is produced is worship. You know, worship is not just singing. You think that worship is just praising God, you know, we're singing to God and doing all these things. But true worship comes from the Word of God. You know, the revelation of who He is is found in here. And that's the only way that we're going to have true worship flow from us. So the Word of God. Number two is also the leading of the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. And the book is, Jesus is like, there's, there's, you know, the Spirit of God is coming and He will testify regarding me. I mean, the Spirit of God, what He does is God, and He's constantly saying, Jesus. Pointing to Jesus. Declaring Jesus. But you have to understand that the Holy Spirit leading us will primarily come from the leading, from the Word of God in in our lives. Meaning, how Holy Spirit speaks to us will be in line with what what the whole, the Word of God is speaking to us. You can't separate the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Now, like, we used to be a very charismatic church. I think we're certain charismatic in a certain way, right? But I remember, like, like you know, people would get so like, you know, like on fire for God, right? And like Holy Spirit, you know. But like when you really look at like how they're like taking on the Word of God, it was it just didn't match up. And we we saw kind of what happened. Like people would just get disillusioned. They stop coming to church. But you can't separate the Word of God and the Spirit of God because what the Word of God does is it talks about Jesus. What the Spirit of God is He points to Jesus, and it's a one-two punch, right? It's like a Mike Tyson's combo, like pa pa, knocked out, right? In the same way, the Spirit of God comes, and the Word of God comes, and the Spirit of God leads us in the Word of God for us to have a picture of who God is. Do you know that? 
And when we're able to see, when we're able to experience God in that way, it starts to transform our lives. That's what encounters with God is from. But you can't expect it to, to happen. You can't expect Holy Spirit to be like all alive in us if the Word of God is not in us. You guys understand that? I'm not saying that, you know, like Holy Spirit, you know, I'm not making any kind of theology about Holy Spirit. I'm saying Holy Spirit wrote the Word of God and wants to interact with us through the Word of God. You can't separate the Word and the Spirit. They go hand in hand. You can't say that Holy Spirit is talking to me about this and that if you're not in the Word of God. And we're walking in obedience and we're in His Word. Holy Spirit will start to lead you and guide you through what the Word of God is saying to you. It will bring conviction. Right? You know, like conviction comes as the word of word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit comes alive in us, right? And will lead us into all truth. The Bible says, "Holy Spirit is in you, and He will lead you into all truth." And that truth is found in here. You have to have an expectation that the Word of God and the Spirit of God will speak to you and will guide you. But we have to know that. God does speak to us. Jesus is speaking to us through the Word and through the leading of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, you know, like leads us all the time. But so many times we're just not listening. You know what I mean? Like there's times where I know, like I, I've said, that, like Holy Spirit will lead me a certain way, and I'll be like, No, God, you, do you know what this Friday is? You know, like ah, you know, like, I, you know, He's always wanting to lead us and guide us into the truth. But sometimes we just don't want to listen. But I want to encourage you guys to be led by the Spirit of God because those that are led by the Spirit of God are called what? Sons of God. And I believe that that's our calling in life is to be children of God. And the third thing is in prayer and meditation. Finally, Jesus is God's revelation in prayer and meditation. The Bible says that Jesus is currently at the right hand of the Father and He intercedes on our behalf. And God speaks to us through prayer. And as we pray and we meditate on His Word, and we speak, God speaks to us, and God speaks to us through His Son when we have a life of prayer. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by His Son. And how do we, how do we speak to God in that way? Word of God, the Spirit of God in prayer. You can't expect to have a relationship with God if you don't have a life of prayer. And I'm always very challenged by Mina because Mina is like an intercessor, right? She prays. She's a, she's a woman of prayer. And she always prays. Even when we were driving here, you know, I was like working on stuff. And Amina was driving, and if she's driving, she's like, you can tell she's praying. I was like, you know, I look over, and I'm like, oh, I feel convicted. <laughs> like, why is she so much better than me, right? right? It's a little annoying sometimes, right? I'm always challenged by her because she has such a vibrant prayer life. And you know what? We can't expect to know Jesus if we don't have a prayer life. Right? If you're not communicating to God on a regular basis, and, and meditating on the Word of God and allowing w- what God gives us. He's like, this is the formula for you to know me. 
And if we're not doing it, if we're not in that place of reading the Word of God and experiencing being led by the Spirit of God and communicating with God, we're not going to know who Jesus is. We might, we're going to have an idea of Jesus. We might know Jesus like I know Barack Obama. I know Barack Obama. Right? I know what he looks like. I know what he sounds like. You know? I know, I know how tall he is. You know, I know what he has done. You know, I even know a little bit about his personalities. There's like you know things I've seen on YouTube and whatnot. But I don't know Barack Obama. He does not know me, right? Right? He doesn't, right? I, I like like I know of like you know who's somebody famous, like LeBron James, right? I'm a Laker fan, but I'm not a LeBron James fan, right? Like like I know about LeBron James. I know what his all the championships that he's won, and I know. I even know the way that he plays, and I know like you know his strengths and his weaknesses and all that. But I don't know LeBron James. No matter how much I study him on the internet, I will not know LeBron James. But a lot of Christians know God in that way. They know of God. They know of Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. And then God gives us a recipe to know Him. It's like, hey, you want to get to know me? Is this right? And it's my spirit. As you talking to me and communicating with me and us being in communion, right? it's the same way as you getting to know your friends, right? I, I met Chris last week, right? I like Chris, right? But if I want to really get to know Chris, I gotta spend time with him. I don't know what he likes. I don't know, like his little quirks and all that stuff. And we spend time, we talk, I learn about his history, he learns about my history. Right, and we eat together and we do all that and then all of a sudden we, we get to know each other, right? And, and, and that's what God has for us. God, who is so great that if we saw Him right now, we would, we would just disintegrate. But He chose to interact with us through His Son. He sent us His Son, His only begotten Son. He gives us His Son so that we can actually now know Him in a way that like makes sense to us and then He gives us His Word. He is the Word. And then through this, and through the Spirit of God, and the things that He has said, and us being able to communicate with Jesus through prayer, saying so you get to know God. You know how amazing that is? Like we get to know God of the universe. The God, God created, like like you watch those like you know those documentaries about how big the universe and the the galaxies are, right? God he created each and every one of you. He created everything, the sands on the beach, the ocean, the volcanoes, the birds, the you know, all of the creepy, crawly things that climbed. God created all of that, and we get to know Him through His Son and the Word that He gives us. Through prayer, through meditation, and through the Holy Spirit. That's amazing, right? But all, sometimes all we want to do is we want to know of you, God. We want to know aspects about you, but you know what? I don't have time to actually get to know you. And then, has that anybody ever kind of been like, you want to be somebody's friend? And they're like, oh yeah, what's up, man? And he's like, let's do something next week. He's like, oh, you know, I'm really busy. <laughs> oh, you know, like, is, I'm just a really busy place in my life. I used to ask girls out and they would say that. Oh, I just, I'm just really busy right now. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> but we do that to God. But you know what? There is no loophole around it. There is no way around it. If you want to know God, it's going to be through His Son and the Word that He gives and the Spirit of God at work in our lives through prayer, through meditation, and through communicating and communing with God and worship 
we're able to know God. And we get to know Him personally. And, and this is the beginning of the book of Hebrews. He's saying that in the past, God spoke to us through the prophets, where it was this separation. Right? Like this prophet, one prophet for all the people of Israel. You know, like you can't. God spoke with this distance. Right? You get to, you, you get Ezekiel. And Ezekiel will give you a little bit about who I am, right? But then he's saying, now he's spoken us through his son. This intimate relationship where Jesus Christ, he reveals himself to us. And he's saying, I want to get to know you. I'm going to give you my word. I, I, I want you to get to know me. And it's through his son. And he's, you know, and, and then he's like, he is the heir of everything. You think that, like, you know, having a rich friend is cool. He is the heir of everything. Right? Have you ever had a rich friend? You know, they have a nice car. I remember I had a really rich friend. I had a BMW, and I love sitting in his car. And a lot of times, you'd be like, I'd be like, yo, pick me up. He's like, ah, oh, no, it's all right. I'm like, oh, come on, you know? So I had drive my old Toyota truck to school, you know, like. But imagine having the heir of everything. The one that created all things. All things were created through him. Oh, it's all right. All things were created through him. And then, and then, and then he said, you know what? You get to know me through Jesus and my word. That's a powerful beginning. And I believe that the rest of the book of Hebrews is really going to speak to us. Like I said, the writer is writing to people that are persecuted. You know, they're on the verge of apostasy. But you know, although we may not be in persecution right now, you know what? There's so many distractions in our lives. There's so many things that will take us away. I'm really being able to see and understand and really know God in a powerful way. And so, as we start this book, let's meditate on the fact that God of the universe, that created the universe, sent us His Son so that we can actually have a, 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 a vision, a picture of who God is. And through Him and through His Word and through His Spirit and, and through prayer and meditation and just being in His presence, that God, we get not just know God, but God gets to know us, and then God gets to transform us and make us like Him. You know, God says that we're all on a path of being made in the image of His Son. That's a great calling, guys. Some of you guys are like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. Yeah, that's great. I, I get to be like the Son of God. And we have to understand that's more important than anything else that we can really do with our lives. One of the things I'm so thankful for my wife is my wife, more than me, you know, I just, I play with our kids really well, you know. But Mina is very, very, like, 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 like very intentional about preaching the gospel to our kids. And I, and I help. I'm there. <laughs> I help. I'll be like, yeah, you know, I'll say things. Like, yeah, you know, he'll say things like, no, it's because, you know, like, like, he would say like, oh, that, he had a picture of Jesus that he made at Sunday school, right? And then he ripped. And he's like, oh, but that's Jesus. And I told him, no, that's not Jesus. That's a picture of Jesus. That's basically an idol, right? That Jesus is not that. Jesus is, he's alive. And, he's, and I'll tell them these things. But Mina is very intentional. And, and right now, I believe that Ethan, my oldest son, is on the verge of like being saved. And if not, he might be saved. He says that he is. He says, I believe in Jesus. I believe that there is going to be a true transformation. Right? But my, what, what I want to instill upon him is that being a son of God, being a child of God is greater than anything that you can do with the rest of your life. You can become the president. He can't. He can't become the president. But if he doesn't get to know the Lord, I have failed. You know? And then Ethan, the way that I know that Ethan's starting to understand is he's starting to worry about his little brother. 
He's like, what if Ezra doesn't believe in Jesus? What will happen? Right? And he's like, we know, that's why we have to pray for him. Yeah. I remember having this when I was a little kid. I broke down in front of my mom. I was like in third grade. I said, God, the mom, like if, if our whole family doesn't believe in Jesus, do we all go to, do like, does dad go to hell? And he said, yeah. Now let's pray for dad. I remember crying and weeping. I believe like that set me on this path of like really knowing, wanting to know God in this sense, right? But you know, we have a calling. It's for us to know God and know the person of God through his son. And that is so much greater and so much more worthwhile than anything that else that we can do with our lives. Let's all stand up and I'll close us with prayer and benediction.